The Old Testament reading for this morning is from Isaiah chapter 7, beginning verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The epistle reading is recorded in Galatians chapter 4, beginning the first verse. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. The Holy Gospel is recorded in St. Luke, the first chapter beginning the 26th verse. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. (coughs) And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Here ends the Holy Gospel. 
Well, if this was Christmas morning, all the kids would be running up, right? And they would be expecting presents, right? So kids, come on up. I don't know, maybe you'll be disappointed. Maybe not. We shall see. There's some stuff up here you like, and there's some stuff up here you are not going to like. So take a look. Which side would you like? This side, when a Santa Claus hat and a present, or this side with a cross and a crown of thorns? Now let's be honest, which side would you want? This side? Now be honest, how about the parents? Which side would you want? Honesty. This side. How many would rather have this side? Oh, don't look to the parents. They might get it wrong. Which side? This side? How many want this side? Crown of thorns, cross. Oh, Oh, there's something in the middle we'll get to in a minute. On this day, when we remember how Mary agreed to be the mother of the Savior, Jesus, the big deal is not presents, It's not Santa Claus hats. It's not parties. It's nothing in an earthly, fun sort of way. When the angel came and said you'd give birth to the Son of God, that's the promise of the Redeemer. What Jesus gets is the crown of thorns and the cross. But do you know what you get from this? This is actually the best. What do you get from him suffering on the cross? (coughs) Or shall I say, what is taken away? Your sins, and you have eternal life. Now, can I do something gross? Jesus is a true human being, and he's also true God. And I'm going to demonstrate that with an ugly bug that I found this week. I would open it up, except my wife said, put the cap on, it stinks. It's an ugly bug. Now, he's really gross. Big, ugly old bug. If he was alive and landed on you, you would probably scream. The big old ugly bug. Now, which of you would be willing to touch the ugly bug? Anybody out there? Would any of you be willing to kiss the ugly bug? (coughs) Does anybody want to smell the ugly bug? No, you really don't want to. I brought this because we should be amazed that Jesus, the Son of God, is willing to come to earth 
and actually not merely touch Mary, not merely become her child, but actually that he would become also a real human being. That's the astounding thing. He didn't stay up in heaven far removed from this messy world. He came down to become part of us. In effect, when Jesus dies on the cross, he becomes, what's this, Charlie? The ugly bug who dies on a cross. That's the astounding thing about Christmas. Jesus, true God, also becomes true man. Okay, you can head back, and I won't make you touch this thing. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, I wish I had a hundred ugly bugs to give to each of you so you understand the astounding nature of what Christmas is. Keep in mind that in Judaism, and in fact most religions, God is far removed from man. God does not really want to come in contact with sinful man. At best, he may appear, as in the Old Testament. There's that phrase, not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. And if you look up the circumstances where the angel shows up, it's really the Son of God. That's how he appears in great glory. You can take for the example the story of Samson before he is born. This ha Moloch Yahweh shows up to Samson's mother and father, and they realize with great terror that God has appeared before them. That's the best you get in the Old Testament. But still, he's appearing as a wondrous heavenly angel. He is the messenger God. But that's not how the Son of God's going to appear when he finally comes to save mankind. Some of the Jews thought that he would continue to be this glorious personage, that he would suddenly just appear in great power and wonder and glory, and that he would immediately destroy all of his enemies, and he would inaugurate a wondrous, beautiful, glorious heaven on earth among his faithful people. That's what many of the Jews expected if they talked about a Messiah. The difficulty is the prophets say otherwise. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, what was the promise? As they were awaiting judgment and condemnation. In the middle of a condemnation sentence against Satan, God says, the woman shall conceive. And her seed will crush Satan underfoot and set God's people free. There'd be a real human being born of a human mother to come and do this. The Isaiah passage again tells us who this Messiah will be. Please note, we should not be like King Ahaz. He was an educated man. He had religious fellows around him who should have straightened him out a little bit. 
he is given the opportunity of receiving a wondrous sign of deliverance that he can choose. He does not have any faith. The key to the Christmas blessing is not presents and stuff and parties and fa-la-la-la-la and jingle bells. It is faith in this Messiah who is not going to appear to be much of anything. God is very upset at Ahaz's lack of faith, and so he says this, Will you try the patience of my God as well? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's wondrous in this Hebrew passage is that the original language can also be translated and may be better translated as the Lord will give you a sign that is himself. Christ who is to be born is the great wondrous sign that people are to look to for salvation. This brings up the other difficulty of Christmas. Although the Snoopy cartoon tries to get it right when they ask, or I should say Charlie Brown asks, what's the meaning of Christmas? It is Charlie Brown who gives the answer. He tells the story, but people don't know what it means. Isaiah says, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, that is, with us, on our side, at our side, Ale, God. Who's sitting next to you this morning? Well, that should be an easy question. Who is sitting next to you this morning that you don't see? nor perceive with your eyes or your hands. It is Christ himself. Even since his ascension, he has not left you. He is still Immanuel, God with you and at your side, in all of his power and glory and grace. The purpose of Emmanuel is to bring us again close to our Heavenly Father. When the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, it is not that she is sinless. Mary is afraid. That indicates her sins. By the way, throughout the scriptures, when angels suddenly appear to someone, they're almost always utterly terrified. And some phrase like, be not afraid, has to be said. Mary is not full of grace, as though sinless but she has been shown great favor, literally great grace. Why Mary? She is espoused or betrothed already to her legal husband, Joseph. They are in every respect married. Yet as she says to the angel, how can this message be that I'm going to give birth to a child? I'm a virgin. I still am a virgin. I've had no relations with my husband. This can't be. But she has the faith to believe that in spite of the fact that she can't quite figure it out, 
she humbly says, I am the Lord's servant girl or slave. God is not asking her whether she wants to be the mother of the Son of God. It's a declaration that she will give birth to the Son of God. And the great thing about Mary and the thing that brings the Christmas blessings to us is when we have that same kind of astounding faith in God's promises to us. Without faith, there is no Christmas blessing. Without being like Mary to believe that this child is the very Son of God who receives David's eternal kingdom, there can be no great things coming to us in eternity. Mary responds because of her great faith. So what's so great about it? She's married. She's going to have a child that very quickly will be discovered by Joseph, who will recognize that he isn't the father. It's going to look like Mary, the once pure, betrothed wife. It looks to all the world as though she had become a fallen woman. And from last week when I threw a rock on the floor, that should remind you of what that punishment was for someone who was guilty of adultery, which is exactly what position it will look like as Mary agrees to give birth to this child and Joseph is not the father. Do you begin to see the wonder of the faith that she has? She believes still the child will be born. Nothing will happen to her. Nothing will happen to the child. Somehow or the other, God's going to work through this seeming impossible situation, which she agrees to go through because she simply believes God's Word. That's the kind of faith that God wants all of us to have. And above all, that's the great blessing of Christmas. Not merely that you know you have a Savior, but also that you have the faith that no matter what circumstances you may be in, no matter how seeming untenable and impossible those circumstances might be, God is always faithful in watching, caring, loving, and delivering you. That's what's wonderful about Mary. She agrees. Therefore, she gives birth to the Son with the Christmas message. And the culmination of the Christmas message is not Christmas. It is Good Friday. Mary has the faith to be at the foot of the cross as her son is dying. She still believes who he is. She still trusts that though he dies on the cross, that God has that power of resurrection. which in the post-Easter stories we see comes true. It isn't just the twelve who see Jesus risen during the 40 days, but we're also told that Mary herself is one who saw her beloved son alive and with them. She has this faith all the way through her life. We're told in ancient church history then that Mary, as she got up in years, followed Christ's own words spoken to John. Remember he said to John from the cross, 
that Mary would now be taken care of by John. He said to John, Behold your mother. And from that point on, he took her into his home, his family. According to church history, she stayed with John. And she died in the church at Ephesus, still under John's care. Looking forward to the great promise and gift that Christmas would finally bring. The ancients had a funny way of talking. They said on August 15th, the Blessed Virgin had her nativity. That is her birth into heaven itself. She believed God's promises from the Old Testament about a Redeemer. She knew who her son was. That faith was strong to the very end. And finally, you see, she gets the great Christmas present of eternal life. That's also to be our model, to always be trusting and believing whatever God promises, Above all, to trust in Christ as your Redeemer, born of Mary, who suffered and died in your place to set you free. And then in spite of the fact that things don't look very joyful at times in this world, you will receive that final and grand and eternal Christmas present when God calls you to your nativity. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.